Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. President Biden touting infrastructure money in Baltimore. This as the Justice Department says it's working to brief lawmakers on classified documents. Former President Trump files a lawsuit against journalist Bob Woodward today. The complaint alleges the reporter profited from selling recorded interviews with Trump as audiobooks. Protests across the nation and calls for reform following the release of body cam footage that shows the traffic stop beating that led to Tyree Nichols' death. Alleged members of a European gang with ties to Iran have been charged here in the U.S. The Justice Department says they were part of a plot to kill an Iranian activist and dissident living in New York. And in Ukraine, Western allies are now talking about supplying more long-range missiles and fighter jets. But Germany says more arms could escalate the war. Nearly 1,000 flights have been cancelled in the U.S. today as an ice storm moves through the middle of the country. More than 40 million people from Texas to West Virginia are under winter weather alerts. Ice accumulation is expected across at least 15 states, according to the National Weather Service. Up to half an inch of ice or sleet is possible in parts of Texas. Several airlines have issued weather waivers for travelers, and motorists are advised to slow down and use extreme caution. And President Biden, who's prided himself for writing Amtrak during his decades as a senator, visits a rail tunnel today to tout infrastructure money. This as the DOJ plans to brief lawmakers on classified documents. NTD's Iris Tao has more. Traveling to Baltimore on Monday, President Biden tells the bipartisan infrastructure law funding, which he says will help to replace this 150-year-old rail tunnel right behind me. Through the infrastructure law, we're going to invest over $4 billion to replace the existing Baltimore and Potomac tunnel. Over 2,200 trains run on this corridor every single day. The event marks the first of two and is many days focused on counting the benefits of legislation. On Tuesday, Biden's traveling to New York to talk about another major investment in the rail tunnel under the Hudson River. Biden's saying these projects will bring jobs and more. We have to have the best economy in the world. You have to have the best infrastructure in the world. This is going to be a game changer for the environment as well. To hear plenty more from Biden as he gears up for the potential 2024 re-election bid. This attention on legislative achievements comes as grappling with the fallout of the classified documents found at his home and office. The Department of Justice just sent a letter this weekend to the Senate Intelligence Committee, saying it's actively working to brief lawmakers on the potential national security risks posed by both Biden and Trump's classified documents. And lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, including the leaders of the Senate Intelligence committee are demanding access to Biden and Trump's documents. Well, our job is to make sure there's not an intelligence compromise. Well, I don't know how congressional oversight on the documents, actually knowing what they are, in any way impedes an investigation. Th- these are probably materials we already have access to. We just don't know which ones they are. Meanwhile, Biden is also gearing up for his second State of the Union speech scheduled for next Tuesday. He's expected to highlight his legislative wins in the past two years while seeking to create a contrast with the GOP. Reporting from Baltimore, Maryland, Iris Tao, NTD News. 
The Justice Department told the House Judiciary Committee that it won't hand over certain information on Biden's handling of classified documents. Representative Jim Jordan, who chairs the committee, has demanded access to a host of documents related to the Biden special counsel investigation. The department said today releasing the information could jeopardize the investigation. And the president will meet with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy this Wednesday. The two are still far apart on how to handle the looming debt ceiling, and a growing list of Senate Republicans are speaking out. NTD's Melina Weiskopf joins us with more. 24 Republican senators, which is close to half of all Republican senators, are speaking out about the debt. They sent a letter to President Biden expressing outright opposition to raising the national debt without it being accompanied by what they call real structural reforms. This group says their strict position is that by whatever amount the debt is raised by, there should be spending cuts elsewhere. Now, in uh, the areas that they're pointing to as quote-unquote wasteful spending are things such as more funding for the IRS, funding for efforts to quote-unquote police speech, and funneling more money into programs that were meant for pandemic recovery. Now, several of the members who are taking this position are those who split with Republican uh, Senate leadership and criticized leadership as well as other Republicans for cutting a deal on that $1.7 trillion omnibus spending package just before Christmas. Notably missing from this letter is Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, as well as others in leadership. McConnell, we asked him last week if he believes that this strong arm effort that House Republicans are making in trying to force these spending cuts is necessary. He declined to specifically say whether or not he believes they're necessary, but he did say that he feels like this is a good time for discussion around spending. McConnell says he's taking a back seat to the issue and ultimately leaving these debt ceiling talks up to President Biden and Speaker McCarthy. Find the compromise and find the, the common sense compromise that puts us back onto a balanced budget. McCarthy says cutting programs like Social Security and Medicare is off the table. So far, House Republicans have not given an official plan for these spending cuts. Democrats argue that Republicans are doing a disservice to Americans by threatening a debt default. President Biden so far has insisted that there should be no negotiations, saying that the most responsible approach is for Congress to simply raise the limit. This June is expected to be the time when the Treasury will have exhausted its tools that it's using now to stay under that debt limit cap, by which time lawmakers must reach a consensus for raising the debt to avoid an economic catastrophe caused by an unprecedented debt default. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskopf, NTD News. And today, former President Trump filed a lawsuit against journalist Bob Woodward for releasing recordings of interviews they did in 2019 and 2020. Trump claims he allowed Woodward to record their conversations solely for a book release, but not for dissemination as an audiobook. The complaint alleges the audio of Trump was manipulated and exploited in violation of his copyright interests. Trump also named publisher Simon & Schuster and its parent company, Paramount Global. He accuses all of them of profiting from the tapes and is seeking nearly $50 million in damages. And over the weekend, Trump visited New Hampshire and South Carolina. The campaign events in the early voting states are his first since announcing he would run for president in 2024. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the weekend events. President 
Donald J. Trump. Former President Trump made an appearance in Salem, New Hampshire, to speak at the GOP's annual winter meeting. These are radical left people. I think in many cases they're Marxists and communists, and I used to say that seldom. Now I say it all the time because they are. You look at what they're doing to our country, and we're going to turn New Hampshire red on November 5th, 2024. Trump announced Stephen Stepanek will be a senior advisor for his campaign in the Granite State. Stepanek is the outgoing chairman of the New Hampshire Republican Party. Trump shrugged off suggestions that he's had a slow start in his campaign, saying he's got two years and is more committed now than ever. To save America, we need a leader who is prepared to take on the forces laying waste to our country. And we need a president who is ready to hit the ground running on day one. And I hear, boy, am I hitting the ground. Make no mistake, South Carolina is Trump country. Trump headed to South Carolina Saturday afternoon to a rally at the state capitol. We're going to defeat the cult of gender ideology and reaffirm that God created two genders called men and women. We're not going to allow men to play in women's sports. And by so doing, you know what happens. We're going to save the dignity of women and we're going to save women's sports itself. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We're going to bust up the censorship regime and bring back free speech again. Trump decried the Biden administration for its policies on the border, energy, the economy, and the war in Ukraine. He compared the last two years to April Fool's Day. We need a fighter who can stand up to the left, who can stand up to the swamp, stand up to the media, stand up to the deep state. Am I allowed to say stand up to the rhinos too? I think we can say that. I think we can say that. Stand up to the globalists and China and stand up for America. Trump unveiled his South Carolina leadership team. It includes South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster and Senator Lindsey Graham. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Meanwhile, Americans continue to lose faith in the direction of the country. That's according to a recent NBC News poll, which showed that 71% of Americans believe the country is headed in the wrong direction. NBC has conducted nine polls since October 2021. This is the eighth time that more than 70% have said the U.S. is on the wrong track. NBC News pollsters said they have, quote, never before seen this level of sustained pessimism in the 30-year-plus history of the poll. And a sixth Memphis officer is taken off the force after the fatal police beating of Tyree Nichols. It comes on the heels of a weekend of protests across the nation and calls for more police reform. Please note that some of the footage in this report could be distressing. Protesters over the weekend calling for policing reform in Memphis and other cities throughout the nation, from New York City to Oakland, California. Mostly peaceful, though some sparking violence. 19-year-old Memphis resident Trinity Williams says she feels unsafe in her own city. I go around Memphis scared every single night, um, and I shouldn't be scared. I need to change to survive, just as many other 19-year-olds need to change to survive. I want to make it to 35. I want to make it past 30. I wish Tyree could have made it past 30. Memphis resident Tawana Murphy says seeing the footage of Tyree Nichols' death has changed the momentum of the city. And all of us out here, we've seen that. And as a mother with a 29-year-old, 
that hits hard for me, and I'm trying so hard not to cry, but it hits hard because I have a 29-year-old, and to hear a 29-year-old call for his mama, that changes the whole narrative. He didn't do anything. A warning that the following footage could be disturbing. That footage shows body-worn cameras and a camera mounted on a utility pole released Friday with officers kicking, punching, and striking 29-year-old Nichols with a baton in his mother's neighborhood after a January 7 traffic stop. Nichols at multiple points calling out for his mom. Mom! An officer at one point heard saying, I hope they stop. Nichols was hospitalized and died of his injuries three days later. Five officers were fired and charged with Nichols' murder. A sixth officer is now suspended for his involvement in the fatal beating. Two emergency medical technicians who first evaluated Nichols are also now suspended until an investigation is complete. And two deputies with the Shelby County Sheriff's Office have been put on leave pending an investigation. There are calls for more criminal charges against officers and renewed demands for national police reform. The Memphis Police Department on Saturday discharged its specialized Scorpion unit that some of the officers involved were part of. Protest organizer Amber Sherman said that that is only a first step and other similar specialized units also need to be eliminated. But then you still have these same task force who are doing that same terrorism, assaulting people, over-criminalizing uh, the poor and black, the poor and um, low-income neighborhoods, mostly where black people live because we are a majority black city. We want to make sure all of those are disbanded. And amid renewed cries for police reform, lawmakers and leaders weighing in. The hell of a kid. He's a handsome boy. Thank you. <laughs> President Biden speaking with Nichols' mother and stepfather on Saturday. Nichols' parents now invited to the president's State of the Union address next month. The attorney for Nichols' family saying he urged Biden to use Nichols' death to galvanize support for the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. Though, no word from the White House Monday about if it's planning more police reforms. Meanwhile, former President Trump on the road campaigning said the footage was absolutely horrible. And Senator Lindsey Graham saying police departments should face liability for the misconduct of their officers. The five charged officers are scheduled to appear for a bond arraignment on February 17. The Justice Department has charged three men with being part of a plot to kill an Iranian activist in New York. The department now warns about a rise in such plots from countries like Iran, China, and others. A federal court in New York unveiled an indictment charging three individuals for their roles in a conspiracy to assassinate a United States citizen. The supposed target in last year's attack was Masi Alinejad, an Iranian opposition activist and writer in exile in New York City. The three men charged on Friday are from Iran, Eastern Europe, and the U.S. They're believed not to have acted alone. We allege that Medyev and his co-conspirators, Polad Omarov and Rafat Amarov, are members of an Eastern European criminal organization with ties to Iran. Garland criticized the Iranian regime for violating the rights of people in Iran and the regime's response when people speak up about it. The government, Iran, has previously targeted dissidents around the world, including the victim, who opposed the regime's violations of human rights. In an accompanying statement, the DOJ says such attacks are happening increasingly often. We face an alarming rise in plots emanating from Iran, China, Russia, and elsewhere, targeting people in the United States, often using criminal proxies and cutouts. Alinejad reportedly said she wasn't scared after the alleged attempt to kill her. 
I want to tell you that the Iranian regime thinks by trying to kill me, they will silence me or silence other women. But they only strengthen me, make me more powerful to fight for democracy and give voice to brave women who are facing guns and bullets in the streets to get rid of the Islamic Republic. The indictment stopped short of directly accusing the Iranian regime of planning the attack. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. And turning now to international news, Israelis and Palestinians clashed over the weekend, leaving several people dead. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu yes, today as tensions remain high. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Uh, from what we understand, a terrorist arrived at the scene by vehicle. He stopped in front of a synagogue and began opening fire on the innocent civilians that were outside. The Israeli Police International spokesperson explained that the shooting happened on Friday night in East Jerusalem and the gunman killed seven people. Police that were responding to the emergency call encountered him at this intersection behind us and they engaged in a crossfire. The terrorist was neutralized in the exchange of fire and police pronounced him dead at the scene. And shortly afterwards, dozens of Palestinians could be seen celebrating the attack. The day before the shooting in Jerusalem, Israeli security forces say they conducted a counterterrorism operation in the West Bank and killed three terrorists. The Palestinian Ministry of Health said nine Palestinians were killed, including an elderly woman. And on Saturday, two more people were shot and injured in Jerusalem. This is the most violence between the two sides in years. As soon as Secretary of State Antony Blinken stepped off the plane in Israel, he said this. We also condemn the subsequent terrorist attack in Jerusalem on Saturday, in which a father and son were wounded. And we condemn all those who celebrate these and any other acts of terrorism that take innocent lives. Then he met with Netanyahu and offered a solution for peace. We continue to believe that the best way to achieve it is through preserving and then realizing the vision of two states. This would give Palestinians the ability to govern themselves. Netanyahu did not address the two-state idea directly, but said if they could end the Arab-Israeli conflict altogether, it would help bring a workable solution with Palestine. And he turned his attention to Iran. Our policy and my policy is to do everything within Israel's power to prevent Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons and the means to deliver them. And that will remain so. But obviously the fact that we and the United States uh, are working together is something that uh, is important for this common goal as well. Blinken is scheduled to meet with Palestinian leadership in Ramallah after his trip to Jerusalem. Jason Perry, NTD News. Over the weekend, Ukraine fast-tracked talks with allies over requests for more long-range missiles and fighter jets. But Germany, again, says no. NTD's Arlene Richards has more. Russia hopes to drag out the war and exhaust our forces. So we have to make time our weapon. We have to accelerate developments. We have to speed up the supply and launch of new necessary military options for Ukraine. Within days of an agreement between the U.S. and allies to send tanks to Kyiv, Ukraine requested fighter jets and more long-range missiles. Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky said more supplies is a key factor in defending against an expected escalation of the war. The head of intelligence reported on how the situation may change in the near future. We are doing our best to ensure that our pressure still outweighs the occupiers' assault capabilities. And it is very important to keep the momentum of defense support from our partners. 
speed of supply has been and will be one of the key factors in this war. According to a top Ukraine official, talks were underway on Saturday between Western allies and Ukraine to possibly send more arms to Kyiv. But on Sunday, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz repeated his rejection of the request. Last week, Schultz had ruled out the possibility of sending fighter jets, citing concerns over escalating the war. Germany agreed to send the tanks only after the U.S. agreed to send its M1 Abrams tanks. Schultz told the Tagesspiegel newspaper, I can only advise against entering into a constant competition to outbid each other when it comes to weapons systems. As Germany strengthens its opposition to more arms, the U.S. and allies seek new avenues of support. Also, over the weekend, American ambassador to the U.N., Linda Thomas-Greenfield, urged new U.N. member Mozambique to help Ukraine defend itself. The country was a longtime ally to Moscow. The ambassador said, you cannot be neutral when there is a country that is attacking another country. And on Monday, NATO urged South Korea to step up its support for Ukraine. During a speech at South Korea's Che Institute, the NATO Secretary General thanked the country for its economic and humanitarian support to Ukraine. He also urged them to do more, but said the decision to provide military support is ultimately for South Korea to make. Meanwhile, Russia and Ukraine continue to blame one another for attacks on civilians. Most recently, Russia accuses Ukraine of killing 14 in an attack on a hospital. Ukraine has accused Russian forces of frequent war crimes in the deaths of thousands of Ukraine civilians. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. Coming up next, dozens of people are dead after a suicide bombing at a mosque in Pakistan. The Taliban initially said they were behind the attack, but now say that's not the case. And in the NFL, four weeks after going into cardiac arrest, Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin finally breaks his media silence and shares his perspective on the incident. That and more coming up. At least 59 people are dead after a suicide bomber reportedly attacked a mosque in Pakistan. The Taliban initially took responsibility for the attack, but the Pakistani arm of the Taliban later distanced itself from the bombing. They said it's not their policy to target mosques or other religious places. They added that people taking part in such acts could face punishment from the group. Pakistan's prime minister called the bombing an attack on the country. He promised serious consequences for those behind the attack. Over 300 people were in the mosque at the time. In addition to the 59 dead, over 150 people were injured. The mosque is located inside a police compound. It's not yet clear how the bomber managed to enter the high-security area. And the European Commission has approved two insect species for human consumption. It's declared the lesser mealworm and powder obtained from house crickets as novel food. At the same time, the European Food Safety Authority acknowledged concerns about the bugs triggering allergies. Food allergies are estimated to affect roughly 3% of the adult human population in Europe and up to 9% of children. Getting people to eat insects might also prove to be a challenge. 
According to a survey in Germany, 45% cited disgust as the main reason they wouldn't eat insects. The World Economic Forum and other groups are promoting insects as an alternate source of protein due to their low ecological footprint. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin finally broke his media silence and released a video on social media over the weekend. The 24-year-old who was injured back on January 2nd said he thought it was important for him to wait to speak publicly as he had a lot to process. He thanked everyone from hospital staff, teammates, friends, family members, and even the fans. He especially thanked those who donated to his toy drive charity that's received more than $9 million despite a goal of just $2,500. My mind is literally blown away from all the support. Um, I don't even have the words to express the gratitude for the amount of support that was given into that. Hamlin, who went into cardiac arrest on the field and had to be resuscitated, now looks at the scary incident as God using him as a vessel. And I'm able to give it back to kids and communities all across the world uh, who need it the most. And in tennis news, Novak Djokovic's win yesterday at the Australian Open Finals gave him his record-extending 10th championship there while tying him with Rafael Nadal for the most Grand Slam titles of all time with 22. Today, the win also vaulted him back to a familiar spot as a Serbian is now number one in the ATP rankings. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has eight games on tap, including the L.A. Lakers and LeBron James, who's now just 116 points away from tying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career-scoring mark. They play at the Brooklyn Nets. And in the college game, four ranked teams are in action tonight, with Syracuse hosting number six Virginia, while 13th ranked Iowa State plays at Texas Tech. And lastly, a major clash in the Big 12 as number 10 Texas hosts 11th ranked Baylor. And finally, for you hockey fans, just one game in the NHL tonight is the Winnipeg Jets host the St. Louis Blues. And that's it for your sports news today. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.